Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Paradox. They haven't had this done anymore. But we're not a paradox because Josh is gone today. He had his third child born yesterday, Samuel Carney Myers. He's barrel-chested really strong legs. He has linebacker written all over him. But Josh is, is at the hospital with Katie today. So I am flying solo, but I'm telling you, it doesn't get much easier than this to talk to someone like Melanie Schenkel. Melanie, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Now, I, 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 you're, you're everything. I mean, you're just, you're basically one of those gigantic celebrities that have paparazzi following them around. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for uh, sure. Everywhere in San Antonio, there's just this gaggle of people with, with cameras. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm super impressive. If you're looking for like a D-minus list celebrity, that I'm at the top of that list. Very nice. Now, you are a New York Times best-selling author. How is that? Isn't that great? Or did you do like the Rick Warren thing? You just bought $5 million worth of your own books. Exactly. I just rounded up all $52 in my bank account, and I, I bought that for myself. Exactly. Um, yeah, I'm still not totally sure how that happens, but I'll take it because, you know, you can, I'm like, that stays with you for the rest of your life. I could like sit truth? on my couch and never do anything else yes. ever again. And I could just be a New York Times bestselling author. When you're in the nursing home, that's how they'll introduce you. That's the greatest thing. Now, so many of you guys, y'all know Melanie's work, her books, Nobody's Cuter Than You, The Antelope in the Living Room, so many books that so many people are very, very, very familiar with. Now, Melanie is a graduate of Texas A. <clears throat> excuse me, from Texas A. You get something <clears throat> stuck in your throat there. Texas A and M, and as we were talking before we we started the recording, we're both sort of crying on each other's shoulder for what happened with uh, college football on Saturday, with both the Aggies and the Horns going down. It was dark days. I felt like as an Aggie fan, I felt like I had seen the the worst that it could be, but I didn't know. I didn't know that we could sink even further, and and that happened on Saturday. Uh, listen, uh, I want to get primarily, and then talk to you about a couple other things. But I want to talk about your brand new book, The Church of Small Things. Now, b- before we even get into that, the foreword is by the Pioneer Woman. Now. I told both of my daughters that are in their 30s that I was going to be talking to you, and they were very excited. When I said that Reed Drummond did the foreword, it was like they could just cut off the rest of the book and read the foreword. <laughs> so I was, I was thinking, since you're so close with Pioneer Woman, do you have like a, a ranch hand chili tater tots recipe that you could share with our listeners? I so wish that I I did, but I don't. I mean, it's just, I mean, maybe it'll be in her next cookbook, though, do we think? (laughs) Possibly so. Listen, your new book, Church of the Small Things, The Million Little Pieces That Make Up a Life. First off, fantastic title. What is behind 
the book? What led you in, in all the directions you could have gone after so many successful books? Why this? You know, I the Church of Small Things to me is more than any of my books. It's almost like the culmination. Like the first one was on motherhood. The second one was on marriage. The third was on friendship. But I thought, you know, I really where I live my life is in the church of small things. And what I meant by that is it's really just about the small day-to-day faithful things that all of us do. Um, I think that we can get so caught up, and I was in this thing where I was feeling all this pressure to, you've got to adopt 16 kids, you've got to buy all fair trade, you need to have a big platform and and do all these huge things. And I felt like God kept bringing me back to this point of like, no, you just need to do the thing that's in front of you today. You need to make the sandwich. You need to send your daughter to school. You need to be faithful in your community. And that's how you change the world, not by just announcing, I'm going to go change the world. Mm -hmm. Um, So the Church of Small Things was really, um, and I knew in this next book, I wanted to talk about my grandparents and kind of tell some family stories. And the thread and all that was they were faithful in the small things. Um, So I thought it's just, to me, I'm a believer in the church of small things because I think it's in the small things that God ultimately does the biggest things. I tell you, it's, 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 you know, that a long time ago, the book that, you know, don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff Uh, Uh to, to really appreciate the, the kind of the beauty and the majesty that is in, in the smallest aspects of our lives. You said something, one, one great quote from the book is, breastfeeding is great when it works, but nobody's going to end up in long-term therapy just because they drank formula from a bottle. That's the is, truth. I'm exhibit A of that. So, I mean, I was a baby in the 1970s, and I'm like, nobody back then, everybody thought formula was the greatest thing ever. Now, did you, uh, some people might find that as like a microaggression uh, yeah. and that you were breastfeeding shaming. <laughs> And that's not what you're saying. But I do hear in what you're saying, this pressure that it just seems to be more than it used to be to, like you say, everything's organic. you got to breastfeed or it's virtually child abuse. Yes, it's every. And I think that what it is, is there's never been used to. We just lived in our own little houses and in our neighborhoods, and we didn't know what everybody else was doing unless we had a relationship with them. But now we can go on social media And you can constantly see all the ways that it appears people are living a better life than you. You know, they're better moms, they're better friends, their house is better, their cars are better, their kids are smarter. And so I think it makes us have all this like internal anxiety of, oh, I'm supposed to be doing all that stuff. And you know what? Yes, if that's what you're called to do, but we're all called to do different things. Mm -hmm. You say something, and of course, you're known for your humor. Everyone, Everyone knows that. I think you're the Irma Bombeck of of Christian uh, female authors. But then you come back, another great quote from your book is, what if we showed our kids what kindness and compassion looks like? There's never any weakness in showing mercy and grace because the characteristics are the very heartbeat of God. So you come back with this beautiful description of how we can model for our children, you know, some of the most basic and meaningful aspects of what it means to follow Christ right after using humor. So you've got this, and this is so difficult to do, to be able to use humor, but then able to to switch it and to say very purposeful, very meaningful, serious things. How do you blend those two? 
Yeah, well, you know, and some of it, so much of it is, it really is like my books, I really do write them like I talk. Like it's just, and, and to me, the biggest compliment is the people who know me in real life or my friends are like, I loved reading your book. It was like sitting across from you at the table. And that's how I want it to be. And I feel like that's kind of the mix of my life is, I mean, I can, I can take you as shallow as let's talk about, you know, that I need to go get my eyebrows waxed to, um, some sort of deep truth that God is doing in my life right now in the span of like three minutes, you know, it's like, it's like a whiplash. Um, So I think when I write, it does that too. And I think humor, um, I think humor kind of helps. Is it like the spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down a little bit, you know, where it's like, it's kind of couched in a little bit of like, Mm -hmm. it's funny because there are just universal funny truths, but then there's also just, deep universal truth. So it's, I just try to write the balance of those, but I feel like that's how I am in life too. So, so in a way, when I look, when I look at, especially this new book, you know, that you cover things, aging and, and raising a teenager, you know, facing what I love this and facing fears in order to become who we're meant to be being able to look those fears. I love, I saw something the other day that said courage was just our fears that said their prayers. Yes. I love that. I love that. Yes. I love that. So true. So, when it's as though it's like you're you're living your life and you're allowing you know God to give you perspective on things, and you want to turn around in these mundane things, turn around and share that insight, and 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 instead of simply being entertaining, which Lord knows your writing is, you have a a greater purpose than simply to be funny. You're wanting your reader to walk away with what. Just the feeling that we're all doing the best that we can. I mean, I, I, you know, my hope is is that I kind of inspire people or encourage people to just live the life that God has given them. Because I think um, all of us, whether we're men or women, I think we can get so bogged down in the day-to-day, like just adulting of life, you know, that you've got to have food on the table and provide and get your kids to their practices and all of their stuff that we can lose sight of, that God is using that too. And so mm-hmm. to me, it's like that we can't underestimate because it's like, that's why he gave us those things. And I always say that on my worst days when, you know, the dog is thrown up and the car is almost out of gas and, you know, my daughter's calling because she forgot something at school or whatever. I'm like, there was a time that I prayed for all of this. Like there was a time that like at 22 years old where I was like, all I want is to be married and to have a family. And guess what? Now I have it. So, which could be, be careful what you pray for, but it's, but it's that thing of that because God put us, I think he very purposely puts us exactly where he knows we're going to be most effective. So we can't sit and not feel like where we are is where we're supposed to be, if that makes sense. And um, I just, I felt like over the years as so many women read my blog, they're like, thank you for number one, helping me see the humor in the day to day. And number two, that there's meaning in the day to day, and there is in all of it. You know, yeah, it's that it's that idea of finding joy and contentment in the journey, not just in the des- destination. Uh, it's it's in it's in it's in loving the process as much as where the process gets you. Now, you also share some devastating news in your book, such as forty is not the new thirty, and I have been. I've been living this whole th- that 50 is the new 30 and now you're you're telling me that 40 is not even the new 30. Well, for a man, here's the difference, Jimmy. For a man it may be because y'all get gray hair and everybody's like, "Don't they look so distinguished? He looks so <laughs> distinguished and wise." 
right? So they're like, oh, that's uh, he's he's got wisdom now. For a woman, they're like, God, why did she let herself go? What's the problem? What, what's the, what's the deal with the gray hair? So, um, so for you, fifty might be the new thirty. But I'm willing to bet that your knees don't sound the same when you get out of bed in the morning as they did twenty years ago. Okay, that was uncalled for. <laughs> Just you did not have to get personal. Well, because I'm married to an almost 50-year-old man, so I'm well aware of all the ailments that come with that. So is this another kind of point? Hey, enjoy being 40. Forget that it's the new 30. Yeah, I think it's just, it's this is the stage we're in. I, You know, it was funny because I turned 46 a couple of weeks ago, and right before that, one of my best friends from college, I was visiting her, and she had just turned 46, and she said, you have a birthday coming up, and I said, I know. I said, can you believe? I said, we're like on the downhill slide to 50, and she said, you know what? She said, isn't it awesome? And I was like, oh, that's what we're doing with this. Okay, we're going we're gonna to go with it. It's awesome, and I think, you know, and you're probably the same. I mean, I lost one of my dearest friends last year at 45 to breast cancer. And so you start to realize, you know what? Yes, I have more lines and wrinkles and my gray hair keeps popping up no matter how many times I have it colored, but I'm here, you know, I'm here and just to embrace like where we are. And this is the stage of life that we're in and that every stage comes with good things and bad things, but I'm going to choose to focus on the good. You know, you have... God has blessed you, not only with like talents and abilities and that sort of thing, but he is, because there's a lot of people that have talents and abilities, but he's given you a voice and he's given you a voice to the American church, really. I mean, to, to not, not simply a local congregation or whatever, but to, to a global people of faith. And when you think about that, that that people care what you think and they read what you say. Do you ever feel a pressure that, oh my goodness, I, here's something going on in the news. I need to say something about transgender and Target. This has always fascinated me with people. When you do have that platform, do you feel a pressure that I need to speak to certain things so that people will hear what I have to say? You know, it's funny that you asked that, um, and I've laughed because as you said that, I was like, oh, I've never felt that pressure till you just said it the way you said it. Now I feel all this pressure, so thank you. Um, just enjoy where you are is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting because I think, number one, I don't really see myself that way, um, but I also have felt like in, with everything going on in the world right now, um, there's so many different voices out there and so many different issues in the church and so many different things going on. And that's something that I've really prayed about um, because I've always felt like, you know what, my job is to love people. Um, My job is to show them Jesus where I can and to not get into the nitty gritty of I believe this or I believe that. Um, And I was praying about that the other day and I was like, you know, is, is this the right path? You know, because I know there are other people that are feel called to very much step into the political arena and Mm -hmm. share their thoughts on that Mm -hmm. or on bathrooms or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I just, for me, I felt like God brought me back to this point of Jesus walked on this earth during a time of such political unrest. You know, it was at a time when Jerusalem was under Roman rule and the people were being so persecuted and there were so many terrible things. But I thought, Really, the the only statement he ever made about government in general was give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Right. And I thought, that's it. It's like, 
to me as a Christian, if I can sit down with you and have a cup of coffee and you can hear me and you can hear my heart and you know me across the table, I'm happy to share with you what I believe on that thing, on those mm-hmm. issues. Um, I'm not going to put it in 140 characters on Twitter. I'm just not. Mm-hmm. So um, I feel like what I want people to see is the light and the love and the encouragement, because here's what I, here's what I do believe, and I will say this. I believe that Jesus loves all of us more than we can even imagine, no matter how flawed or no matter what we've done. And that, to me, is the bottom line. You know, what is it? There's a, there's a, there's a bit of good in the worst of us, and there's a bit of bad in the best of us. Um, it's true. It's yeah. true. And I think, you know, years ago, I read a biography of um, Oswald Chambers, who wrote, you know, of course, my utmost for his highest, that famous devotional. And um, and in that biography, he said something that's always stayed with me, which is anything any man has ever done, I am also capable of. And I've always thought that it's like anytime I want to get on my high horse and be like, well, I would never. I'm like, no, that's humanity. That's in me somewhere, you know. Yes. And so it's just to to give grace across the board. Yes, there's a there's a great country song by Darius Rucker. The chorus is, I've done a lot of things I'd never do. Not only is that like the classic country song, but man, how true that is. The things that I would never, ever, you would never catch me. And then here you go. Um, It's kind of who you are. Listen, Melanie, we really do appreciate you being here. If guys, if you want to follow Melanie on Facebook, it is Melanie Schenkel. And on Twitter, it's at Big Mama. There's a story there. And on Instagram, there is at Melanie Shankle, and then her podcast, The Big Boo Cast. And before we get out of here, The Big Boo Cast, tell us a little bit about your podcast and where it goes and what it does. Our podcast, we started it, if you can believe this, in 2007, we started a podcast, which I cannot even believe that either one of us were forward enough thinking. Um, I do it with my friend Sophie Hudson, who has a blog. She's also a writer and has a blog called Boo Mama. Um, And we really tackle the tough issues of the day, um, like um, Princess Kate being pregnant with her third baby, um, what we're cooking. Are you excited? Oh, so excited. (laughs) Are you kidding? That was the thing that turned my day around after that horrendous Aggie loss to UCLA, was at least waking Uh, up to the news that there's going to be a new royal baby. I mean, that's huge. I mean, (laughs) how does that not make everything better? That's the truth. I mean, so, uh, so you know, we, we talk about that kind of stuff, what we're cooking for dinner, um, if we've seen any cute pants, maybe on sale at Anthropology, um, those kind of things. It's really, we cover the deeper issues, so you need to prepare yourself. Also, sometimes what we're watching on Netflix. Um, so it, it's a podcast. It's the Seinfeld of podcast. It's about oh, nothing. Very, very nice. Um, yeah, I feel like our number one comment that people say is, I don't know why I keep listening to this, but I do. So that's... It makes no sense, and yet I do. Uh, very nice. Melanie, thank you so, so very much. I appreciate it. And listen, we've come to the part of the show where I get to basically share whether someone that is, 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 has been on the show whether they've made the cut, because if you make the one of my favorite guests, then the next time you're in Austin, I get to treat you and your husband to a dinner at Enchiladas y Mas. And so nice. we have come to the part of the show where it's time to announce that, yes, you have made my favorite uh, guest on the show list. 
Yay! So, yes. So the next time that you are in, I don't have no idea how to turn that off. Okay, there you go. If you're ever in Austin, you 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 have got uh, you and your husband free of charge. There might be some tax included, but for the most part, absolutely free dinner at Enchiladas de Moss, and it's on. Yay! Gosh. All right. Wow, it's made Me- it all worth it. Thank you so much, Jimmy. <laughs> Melanie, thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye. Melanie Shankle, guys, how great is she? You need to get her book and memorize it. It's 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 a celebration of the everyday, uh, and I think you're going to love it. The name of the book is Church of the Small Things, the Million Little Pieces That Make Up a Life, and it is going to be dropped on October 3rd. We appreciate Melanie being here, and guys, run, don't walk, grab the book, and uh, listen to our next episode that drops next week on Paradox. See ya. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. We can wake up in the morning and somebody not do something that they're supposed to do, be it a child, be it a spouse. And we can become angry at that, be upset at that. Instead of everyone in our family, nobody's sick. My, I've got the greatest job in the world. We have this beautiful house. We've got a couple of great cars. We've got, everyone loves God. Everyone's, we look at our life. And again, if you look at the rest of the world, the rest, 98% of the rest of the world would saw off a limb to live our life. And yet we want to wake up and take the one thing, the one thing that slightly turns us sideways and put all of our focus on that.